to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks with uh, Blake Howard and Sophie Lye. It's geeks time. It's gaggling time. It's Gaggle of Geeks. Hello, Blake. Hello, Soph. Hello, geeks. I'm sorry I sound like Kathleen Turner. It happens. It happens. I have not gotten over this cold from the post-Sydney uh, Film Festival uh, shenanigans. You probably could sound huskier. I mean, you were definitely huskier last week. I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I can't hear myself right now as I'm talking <laughs> properly. Like, I'm hearing... You, you can hear it differently, so so. Oh, is it the whole block that, ears thing? I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you can say that, but I, I I'm yeah I, I'm I'm I, I feel worse than last week. So yes, hello, Gaggle of Geeks. <laughs> this is Two SCR's Gaggle of Geeks podcast. It bloomed out of Sophie's awesome show, so hot right now. The culture show on Saturdays on Two SCR, and we've blown it up into this huge podcast because we just never have enough time on the live show to talk through all of the happenings in the geek culture world of the week. I'm Blake Howard. Find me at Blake is Batman on the Twitter sphere. And my lovely host is Sophie Lye. Hello. At Sophie underscore Lye on Twitter. And here we are. Here we are. We, we, we thought we had a small rundown of, of things to talk about, but we ended up having quite a big one. I know we did. That's the thing though, Blake, even when you're sick, you can't stop talking. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> just keeps going and going and going and going. <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I did, I told, as I told you today, it was a quiet day at work today. So I, I didn't, I didn't talk to anyone. And I did one of those things, like the first phone call that I made to someone I hadn't spoken to. And I just I'm like, Hello! And I was like, oh God, I have to clear the, the bloody grossness out of my throat dungeon. Cause I, I sounded like hell for five seconds, but now I'm back. So we're good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So massive um, lot of stuff to talk about, as you mentioned. Shall we kick it off with a little boxing film? Like, you know, we've all grown up with that a bit, but it's the next installment of the Rocky Creed series. Yes. Hit it. We got this. You heard me? In the ring, you got rules. Outside, you got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty. I was afraid I couldn't live up to these expectations. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty inside my DNA. You don't think you got your validation? I got loyalty, got loyalty inside my DNA. I got loyalty, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I want to rewrite history. Don't pretend this is about your father. I was born like this, it's born like this, see that you lit conception, I transform like this, perform like this, what else you want to know? 
like it now, but this is more than just a fight. I mean, I know we don't like celebrate Thanksgiving, but damn, November, come at me. <laughs> November, come at me indeed. Uh, Creed 2, guys. Wow. And that amazing Pulitzer Prize winning damn beats by Kendrick Lamar. Oh, my God. DNA. So good. So good. So good. So I want to start thumping my chest, Blake. I'm not so, violent, but so damn. It's, I don't think it's violent to bash your own chest. Um, so, <laughs> It's just silly. Um, uh, directed by Stephen Capel Jr. Um, and written by Chio Hidari Koka, who we're going to talk a little bit about because Luke Cage Season 2 has just dropped. Um, but, you know, this is a series, again, African-American voices are, are, are steering the ship. Ryan Coogler is not available because he's in the midst of, you know, other projects at the moment, but he's on as an executive producer. Michael B. Jordan is there. Sylvester Stallone is there. Tessa Thompson is there. And what you might not have, seen if you haven't seen the trailer yet um, and you couldn't hear it because it's like the ace up their sleeve we see that the big fight that he is talking about yes is the face-off between adonis creed and drago's son i'm assuming ivan drago jr because that's very russian (laughs) of Um, course they uh, have to name it after their own like selves (laughs) because you know what's more egotistical than that or or vladimir drago we never know but we won't know until (laughs) befitting if it was vladimir drago (laughs) i think it might be but uh yeah so we'll we'll just have to wait and see until that comes out i'm really looking forward to it i think ryan coogler's creed is a phenomenally underrated um like incredible film um and it just grows in in power in meaning and it's personal and it's it's just got such an amazing flavor and it's performed with such sincerity it's so good and and the conversation isn't was creed as good as any of the other rocky movies it's like does creed eclipse even rocky itself and i think it comes very very close so um let's see where they move on with creed 2 yeah people would notice from the beats of the trailer that it's got some hints of sort of rocky 3-ish stuff happening there um you know which is a good thing because definitely creed really lent on the whole rocky 2 um are some of the themes of rocky 2 as uh coogler sort of talked about so yeah, I'm keen to see how it evolves from here. Really excited to see where it goes. Were they products of their time? So, you know, Creed might be for our generation. The Rocky was for the previous generation. Still both great movies in their own right. Oh, yeah. Look, Rocky won Best Picture that year. You know, 1976 won Best Picture. You know, only shot in 20... As a, as a feat of what it was, mm. you know, shot in 27 days. Sylvester Stallone acted, wrote the movie, directed by John G. Alvinson. Like, um, he was, like, homeless. And, like, it was like, yeah. people, take a punt on me. I literally sold everything I own except for my, like, car and dog. Or did he sell yeah. the dog? Uh, might have. <laughs> but he basically said, I, I, I'm doing this movie. I'm acting in it, even though I wrote it. So many other people they wanted to cast. And it made him a star, you know, so mm. um, it was an incredible franchise. But I think when everyone thought that it had kind of gone quietly into the good night, you know, Ryan Coogler, this amazing, you know, this amazing, you know, like once in this generation, young uh, African-American filmmaker sort of comes on the scene and he wants to make a Rocky movie. And everyone's like, what? Um, so that was what was really cool about um, how he sort of brought so much of his own personality into it. But yeah. I can't wait for this one. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, Kugler also went on to make Black Panther. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. And so did Michael B. Jordan. As, yep, they both did. Um, 
collaborate with Kendrick there as well. Um, but they cleaned up this week. It was the MTV Movie Awards, and they won four awards. And so they won Best Movie, Best Hero went to Chadwick Boseman. He also won the Best Movie Performance, while Michael B. Jordan won the Best Villain. Great. And the best thing about when Chadwick came up to accept his award for Best Hero, he actually gave his award to the Waffle House hero, James Shaw Jr., who stopped a gunman from firing up in a Waffle House in the South. So called him on stage and was like, I don't deserve this. I'm just a superhero on screen. You are a real-life hero in the world. Yeah, I mean, Chadwick Boseman has already demonstrated himself to be like a super classy guy, just like all-round guy. Um, and to use that platform and to sort of recognise, you know, like this is this is all well and good and fun and MTV and use and, you mm. know, it's great that art inspires us and it's a haven to go to. But to like bring that platform and recognise a dude who like just did something like everyday heroism. It's so awesome and so classy. And the whole franchise just, you know, the whole Black Panther franchise and, and even the Marvel franchise to a large extent just seems to be breeding these really charitable and generous, um, you know, people that are involved with it. So mm. it's awesome. That's yeah. like, that's the good guys doing something, giving something back. For sure. I'll also put a shout out to Michael P. Jordan, who sassed Roseanne Barr when he accepted the Best Villain Award, saying, I'm pretty sure Roseanne was supposed to accept this, not me. <laughs> cheeky. He's a cheeky kid. He is. Um, but also winning uh, in MTV Movie Awards, Wonder Woman uh, took out uh, the best fight scene, and yeah. rightly so, when she took out all those German soldiers in the trenches. Yeah. I mean, look, there's nothing we like more than seeing her beat up uh, uh, German soldiers. And uh, that was a ripping fight scene. It was, it was great. That fight scene made me cry. I don't cry that, during fight scenes. Yeah. I cried during that fight scene. <laughs> like, I, I just, like... The, the, no Man's, the No Man's Land bit was the best bit, like, for me. Like, that fight scene is such a ripper, but that No Man's Land, just, like, the whole lead-up, that mm. entire segment of the movie is, is when it's at the peak of its power. Like, yeah, I'm that... Concerned. Like, her taking on those soldiers in no man's land, like, my heart literally skipped a beat, and then the tears came. Oh, so. It was just, there they are going, no, stay down, and she's like, screw you all, um, itty bitty armor, I'm going to take on everyone. Oh, yeah. she's, a, she's a badass Amazonian queen, she can do whatever she wants. She is. But we should get back on topic, because we're going off. Um, we actually had a proper rundown for once, Blake. Um, but we were talking about... Because <laughs> we're going from Creed. Uh, as you mentioned, one of the writers was actually also working on Luke Cage. And the new season dropped this week. Yes. Have you watched any of it, sir? No, it dropped like last night at like, what, 10 p.m.? <laughs> no, I was not watching it either. Last night I was doing my due diligence as an Australian uh, person and watching Australia draw with Denmark in the Soccer World Cup. So taking a break from my geekery to do that. It's a hard well thing as, to compete with when the football's on. It's, it look, you know, and, and I know that that might be, you know, your sleep patterns if you're out there and you're, and you're a geek for most of the time, but you do love that international football and it is the football season and it's always such a thrilling drama, real life drama to watch unfold. But yeah, I was, uh, I was up watching that. So I haven't watched Luke Cage 2, but I'm very excited to, um, especially because, you know, they held themselves a really high standard. They were, you know, they, they, they were not shy about saying they were disappointed with some of the critical reaction of the series because mm. it was a bit of a, a middling reaction. And, yeah. and I think they took that to heart because, you know, they, they really taking the responsibility of a black superhero, um, uh, taking it on I fully. Mean, and, 
Yeah, and right after like Luke Cage and you know saw Black Panther, like Black Lightning's out as well on the CW, and we're seeing like a new like age of black heroes on screen, which is fantastic. Yeah, the re- representation matters, as we always talk about on this show, and particularly you know um, African American voices, and, um, you know, steering the characters as well. I think that's even more important. It's not just black characters and 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 white directors, you know, filming those black characters, mm. black profile. It's it's definitely the full package um, of being able to steer these stories in directions that, you know, that confront, you know, confront the villains, not only the villains of the stories, but the villains of our time. So I think it's really important to kind of have that context. And, uh, you know, we saw it earlier this year in Oz in, in like Mystery Road, you know, Ivan Sand, an mm. amazing Indigenous filmmaker, hands it over to another amazing Rachel Perkins. <laughs> another amazing Indigenous filmmaker, right? So you, you do the right, you know, you make the right decisions and, and then the consistency of the product stays really strong. So yeah. hopefully, you know, um, they're, they're looking at that. And, I, you know, I, I, unlike Iron Fist, I will give Luke, season, Luke Cage season two a, a good viewing. See, I loved, like, I love season one of Luke Cage, but I feel like the shift in villains halfway through the season did not serve it well because the first villain was clearly stronger than the second. So the first villain, of course, was Cottonmouth, played by Mahashala Ali, who then blew up in Moonlight just, like, months later, and I bet they were kicking themselves that they didn't keep him longer. Yeah, he's he's in so you know, uh, Marshall Ali's in a, a ton of series. The one I'm most excited about him coming up to is the latest series of True Detective, which he's in, which is amazing. Um, but he's been in a stack of things. He's been in House of Cards on Netflix. He was in Luke Cage season one. Mm. Um, he's in a bunch of movies as well. Um, uh, you know, The Place Beyond the Pines. Um, uh, he's in Comrade Detective series. He does a voice on um, uh, on Amazon Prime. So yeah, he's, he's he's all over the map, and he's just a terrific character actor that basically shines in everything he does. And I agree with you. So, so if I'm like. The Cottonmouth stuff that had him in that first series and had that amazing, you know, uh, notorious B.I.G. portrait on his wall, mm. which is so badass, you know, and, and it, 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 it was a really, it made for a really great conflicted hero-villain dichotomy, but then it kind of took a, a massive sidestep in the second half of that series. Yeah, and they really, like, went with that whole Mad Mariah thing, like, they took a bit too far with it, and I was like, it was really grounded before, and then it just went, okay where are we going now? But apparently, you know, they've taken it to heart, the producers, and and they've also apparently addressing the very long seasons that they tend to have now on Netflix. It's too long, as you said last week, Blake. Yeah, I'm, I'm just done. I'm just done with, you know. So hopefully this time they can justify the length, but I'm kind of sick of this whole 12 <laughs> Yeah, look, Episode. I think some of these shows, because the devastating thing, so mm. as, as, as we, we talked a little bit about last week, was you can make an amazing, you know, I think some of these shows that are 12 episodes would make 12, 13. eight unbelievable ones. Yeah. Whereas if it's like 12, you know, six out of the 12 are usually great, and then six are kind of lost and they, and they flounder. Um, I just feel like if they had... You know, with Netflix, they've got the, the luxury of the binge. So what happens is, you know, they have a couple of these episodes and there's not as much, you know, I don't think there's as much editorial squash. They're not going, hey, you need to squash this into a time slot. There's mm. just not as much of that. Um, so in my mind, uh, the more that I think about it, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if you just had like a bit of a curator who was like, hey, you got 12 apps. Can you get it down to eight? And they'd probably go, no way. We're not cutting out this. We're not cutting out that. And I'm like, well, 
try. <laughs> see, let's see if we can cut it down because I guarantee you um, it would probably make for a lot less B-plus shows and a lot more A-plus shows. This is the thing. Like, it honestly would have been a perfect season had they, like, ended it with Cottonmouth's part as a villain. And I'm like, they'll probably been like, what, six, seven episodes? Perfect. Seven ep- that's literally seven episodes. That is done. 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 And that would have been a perfect season and it would have stayed rated done. so much stronger. Look at Luther. Like, look at Luther. Luther is one of my favorite shows on mm. TV. Just had a teaser trailer for season five. They do these sporadic seasons. The most episodes any season of Luther has ever had is six. Mystery Road is six episodes. Six episodes? Well, there's nothing. And, and even the original True Detective, eight. Eight apps. That's it. Like, eight episodes is so strong. Like, you can do so much in eight episodes. So, yeah, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not convinced that every show needs that much running time. In fact, I think so many, you know, half fleshed out ideas in the second half of Luke Cage with another year could have made a terrific short burst six episode season. And then now we could have been approaching, you know, a third season much sooner or, and, and yeah. they just distance it, give it some time to breathe. Yeah, but no, they're doing another 13 run, but hopefully they can figure out how to pace it better if they're going to do the damn 13 episodes instead of cutting it down to a nice six or eight. But we you, can't you have You know what we can say, so? One thing we can thank, be thankful for, at least with Netflix, is we're not the CW with 24 episodes. Oh, season. my God. I don't understand how. And then they're like, oh, it's not raining. We're going to, like, cancel it <laughs> halfway through. And it's like, yeah, because you've got 22, 24 episodes. Like... If you actually made it more concise, you wouldn't have to cancel as many shows as you do and leave fans really pissed off because it's halfway through a plot line. And look, and look, we've got lots of geek friends. So, <laughs> you know, people who go, we always get recommendations and, you know, we've yeah. got some lo- lovely gaggle listeners who like occasionally reach out to us and say, you should see this. Yeah. And one of the shows that I often get recommended a lot is, um, is not only Gotham, but like the flash, particularly out of these DC ones, people are like, dude, the Flash is great. Like the Flash, it is, is really great. fun. Is great. But and I fell off because the episodes was there's too many, and then there were too many crossovers, and then I couldn't keep up. And 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 the, and what I would say is, someone's like, "Oh, you should watch the Flash. Cool. How many episodes per season? Twenty four. Nah, <laughs> nah. They're like they're like what? I'm like, nah. I can't do that. Uh. If, in the time that I could watch the Flash, I could literally watch the whole of Mystery Road and Luke Cage. Yeah, you... And something else. Something else. Probably Creed again. <laughs> I'll go back and watch Creed. And so when you, you know, I, I think that's the, you know, that's actually one of the really tough things about being a geek. And, and you know, and Soap and I have this quandary all the time, and I'm sure that you guys do as well, is you literally have to be pretty ruthless with what you're going to dedicate your time to. And so unless you're like an uber fan of a franchise or a series or something, you know, it's hard to like dedicate yourself to a whole season like that, you know, and, um, and, and then we all get stuck in the cycles of going back and revisiting things you love. Like I'm doing right now with Friday Night Lights. I'm finding out <laughs> for the fifth season. It's a lot of commitment. I get you. I mean, at the moment I've, I've semi switched off geekdom and I'm watching chef's table because I need a break. <laughs> like, but this is it. the thing though. Like when you have so much choice, time is precious. Oh, extremely, extremely precious. So you have to pick and choose. And when you have 24 episodes to get through, that's last on your list because you'd rather watch 
as you mentioned, five new shows instead of... And, yeah. and the other thing is, because I'm a film geek, right, at heart, first and foremost, mm. if someone says 24 episodes, let's just say every episode's 40 minutes, so you like you mm. round that down to 12 hours. 12 hours is six brand new movies. <laughs> like six brand new movies that people could be talking about. And if you said to me, would you rather watch one season of The Flash or a diverse mixture of six brand new movies, like one from every country, you know, big movie country around the world, like one from USA and one from France and one from South Korea and then an Oz movie and then something else. I would always be that guy that chose that mm. because at least, you know, diversity of perspectives and new voices and cool, interesting, original stories. Like it's, you know, it gets really tough. It's like tough to juggle. It is indeed. Um, but speaking of things we could watch, we could probably watch uh, Hannah Gatsby's new uh, stand-up special, what, probably 24 times in the time? <laughs> you could. twenty As many times as you could watch Flash episodes, you could watch this special. It is a masterwork. It is called The Net. It is streaming right now on Netflix. So play the trailer. I don't feel comfortable in a small town. I get a bit tense, mainly because I'm in this situation. And in a small town, that's all right from a distance. People are like, oh, good bloke. I love being mistaken for a man. I I wouldn't want to be a straight white man. Not if you paid me. Although the pay would be substantially better. (laughs) I do think I have to quit comedy, though. And it's probably not the forum to make such an announcement, is it? I have built a career out of self-deprecating humour and I simply will not do that anymore, not to myself or anybody who identifies with me. Do you understand what self-deprecation means? It's not humility, it's humiliation. I want my story heard because what I would have done to have heard a story like mine... Sweet Lord. <laughs> I really hope she doesn't quit comedy. Uh, look, so if I would say that the big thing that I would say to you is if she does, she's left a masterpiece. Uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette is, it's a, it's a narration, it's a storytelling, it's comedy, it's, um, it, it's kind of this weird conflicted beast of both incredible humour as well as knee-buckling and gut-punching, true-to-life, um, you know, uh, accounts of her, of some horrendous things um, that she's experienced, and it's just an, it's it's incredible. It's it's it, there's there's very few pieces of stand-up comedy that um, you know the format is so familiar. Like we watch it, it's 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 all over the place. Netflix most certainly is like is it's turning itself into what HBO used to be, which is the home of stand-up comedy. So mm. we do, you know, we are spoiled for choice. There's multiple Dave Chappelle specials and we and we get Seinfeld specials and we see stand up specials from all over the place. Ali Wong. But never forget Ali Wong. Oh, never forget and Ali Wong's two specials, you know, just recently dropped on Netflix, which are both tremendous. But um, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette is something really special. Um, it's powerful. Um, it's done with complete finesse. And uh, it's it's something that in I think in like 10 years, you know, it, it's really rare to think of a piece of stand-up comedy or a piece of oration or a spoken word piece 
that has much shelf life because it's usually so immediate. Um, but I think Hannah Gadsby's Nanette is something that in 10 years' time, people are going to kind of go, that's the best stand-up special I've ever seen. Wow. Well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. But if, you know, even if she does quit stand-up, I really hope she continues to do um, art lectures because it, <laughs> yes. it was. I, like, saw her at the Art Girl of New South Wales when she was, like, doing guest lecturing there because she actually does have a degree in art history. She does. and, and there's. I was great, on the floor. Could not there stop. Are, there are some great bits in this, uh, in this uh, stand-up that are, uh, use her art history knowledge. So um, something for you to enjoy there. I mean, if she was my art history teacher back in the day, God, I would have paid so much more attention to art history. <laughs> oh, no, she makes it very interesting. Oh, especially. It was quite funny because she was like, any questions at the end? And then this guy actually put his hand up. She's like, yes. And he was like, so should we go see the exhibition since you've just torn it apart? And she's like, oh, yeah, by all means. The art is beautiful. Just think (laughs) when you look at the art. But by all means, go and see the art. Awesome. Oh, dear. Now, from, you know, in the net, she talks about all the horrible things that has happened to her in her life. So what horrible thing has happened in the geekdom this week, Blake? Let's go to the shit list and find out, so. You are officially on my shit list! Yeah, look, this is a really interesting one. Um, Chloe Dykstra, uh, an actor in the United States, this week put out an article, or last week actually put an article out on Medium, which sort of was... A bit of a harrowing account of uh, a, a relationship that had really become toxic um, and sort of a bit of a psychologically damaging relationship. Mm. And uh, at the end, you know, accounted lots of different things. Um, she was in a, I don't know, she was in a bit of an emotionally tender spot. And as an actor, who runs on emotions um, was drawn to a guy who was completely insensitive to those emotions and got in a really, I, I want to say toxic. Is that a, an appropriate word? So it was toxic, toxic because she pretty much detailed all the emotional as well as sexual abuse she suffered um, from this dude. And the emotional part really even exacerbated her eating disorder. She had anorexia and it got worse being with this guy. He wouldn't let her have male friends. Um, it was just really toxic. And it's like, you know, you read all the articles about abusers and what they do, and it was all the same behaviours. Yeah. And so what happens is she, this person goes largely unnamed or completely unnamed in the article, mm. but it comes around that it's pretty easy to figure out who it was. Um, at the end of the article, you find out, well, the end of the article, and now since people have discovered it, it was revealed that she's talking about a relationship with Chris Hardwick, who is a stand-up comedian and a TV host and um, ran the, the Nerdist podcast and Nerdist.com and that whole empire. Yeah, so he co-founded it. He's really big in the geekdom. Like, he plays Celebrity Tabletop with, like, Will um, Wheaton all the time. Like, he's in with the big guys when it comes to proper geek fandom. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the worst the worst thing for Chloe Dykstra is that she was an emotionally sensitive person who got in a relationship at the beginning with a dude who was clearly a completely hyper-egotistical dick. And because of but, her own self-loathing, she just got caught in this cycle where 
she believed that it would be okay to not have friends. Like he kind of made her feel like that as well as her own issues, which, which is awful. I'm going to object to that, Blake, because a lot of the time they, those people are very charming. (laughs) Always start off super charming. So what you see is first as charm later develop, you later see as ego. But yeah, at the look, beginning, it is confidence and charm, and that is is what is attractive. Just why you have so yeah. many dickheads on Tinder, hey? <laughs> um, yeah, like, like, okay. So now I sort of get that perspective. But she's in a really shitty relationship. It was toxic. He acted like a dick um, with sex, and and she that, had an you know, ectopic it, um, pregnancy that could have killed her. <laughs> and she she says in this article. That when, like, you know, she had a mother and him in the room when they came out of surgery, it was all fine. You know, mother's like, she's going to be okay. Doc's like, yes. He asks, can I have sex with her again soon? I mean. <laughs> See, that's, if there's one thing that I don't, I don't know about in this whole thing, it's that. Because, like, is he, what, she's dating a comedian. I would think a comedian would also, who's an egotistical dick, might make a really off-color joke like that, but I don't want to get distracted on that. Uh. What I want to say is the worst thing about this, and it's like on the spectrum, we have to always talk about it, on the spectrum of all this fucking heinous shit that's coming out right now, you've at one end got like Cosby's and, and fucking Harvey Weinstein, and then you've got at this weird other end, this weird other end, you've got people like Louis C.K. and Chris Hardwick, and and it's they still do really hate a shit. But the the thing that most disturbed me so far in this whole thing, because I thought it was a toxic relationship, I thought he was a complete dick. And obviously, I agree with most of what most people think about it. But I just the fundamental thing that I don't understand with these guys is that they then take napalm to every connection that this person has. Like after cutting her off in this relationship, saying you can't have friends, you have to work in my company, you have to do this. He then breaks up with her after that they break up. She hooks, she finds another guy. They get together, and then he like blacklists her. That, for me, is like the shittest of all the shit lists. That is Gamergate shit. Yeah, it's shit. You know, the the terrible thing is you wish you know this the woman that she is now in her life. Mm. You would hope that. You know, she's in a much better place. Obviously, a clearly better place to be able to articulate all the pain. That she yeah, she did say and she thanked all her fans right after putting it out, and she said she was going to go off social media, but not to, um, like not to boycott like the former places he worked because great people do work there. But definitely in a better place if she knows to remove herself from social media after that. Yeah, and also I think one of the important things to think is, I would hope that if she ever was charmed by a dude again. Mm. Or any person, you would hope that you could see someone be charming, and then the minute that they're like, "Hey, you can't have guy friends anymore," or photos of guys in the house, and I want to have sex at nine pm when I get home every night, and you're like in a relationship that is brand new, you want every person out there to have the agency and to have the clarity and the confidence and the self worth to go, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, I'm not." I'm going to have guy friends. I'm going to have photos of my guy friend. I'm going to have a best guy friend. I'm not just going to lay down for you to do that. Like, no. It's a and gradual so, thing. It's bit by bit. Needle them down bit by bit. It... Uh, I know. Look, I, I, I totally agree. But after all of that, and, and clearly the narcissist thing, all of that, 
all of that needling down, all of that sort of that slow burn to when you're basically being controlled. And I know it's it's not a, an objective thing that you can just say, I'll stop that. I, I'm not I'm not silly enough to think that at all. Mm. But the thing that really gets me with these people, with, with these guys, is the is the blacklist shit. Like even Louis C.K. who asked permission to do you know, to jerk himself off in front of people, <laughs> the, the, like that doesn't offend me nearly as much as the concept of him blacklisting a couple of people who didn't like it. And he also blacklisted journos who asked questions. Yes. Like that stuff, that, that, that for me is even more dark because it's like, you know, people are allowed to ask a question. People are allowed to object in you doing that. But I did hear something this week that, you know, uh, one thing I did respect AMC about, you know, uh, as a company, um, because they, they hired uh, you know, they, they, he's Chris got his Hardwick own Robin. talk show there, talking with Chris Hardwick, and I think he also hosts the Talking Dead. If I'm not wrong, <laughs> he does. Yeah, Talking yeah. Dead. Yeah, um, and they at least, as a company, took some time to investigate the allegations. Um, you know, Chris has got a huge fan base online, and so there are some absolute knee-jerk reactions of people going, "It's a liar," um, and you know, obviously, that's not a productive conversation either. Um, I just, yeah, I, the the most devastating. They've um, dropped him, thing. AMC. Since they have dropped him. Yeah, yeah. Comic, AMC, Comic they, Con. They took, the time to, they took the time to investigate and they dropped him. Um, the, Comic Con has also dropped him because he's usually a moderator on the big like Hall H panels. So yeah, they've dropped him, and nerders have pretty much done a sweep of the website and removed <laughs> any mention of him as a founder. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, look. The saddest thing, exactly as you said, Zoe, is like this woman had a really shitty time um, like, and was, was in an emotionally vulnerable three, place. Three, four years upon. of this. Three, yeah. four years. Yeah, she was she was a vulnerable person that was preyed upon. And I think that, unfortunately, Hollywood, like this story, what's more tragic about this is exactly as Zoe said, you've got confidence and charm. It gets needled down. This is probably not a unique story in Hollywood. It's actually mm. more dark because it's like, it's probably happening right now. There's probably stories exactly like this that are happening right now. And the other thing is this guy did create, you know, for, for all the shit that he did in this particular relationship, he did create some outlets and some forums and some places where some incredible people, creative people. It was a safe space for and, geeks like Nerdist. It was where we could all get together and chat <laughs> in the beginning yeah, when geeky wasn't like accepted as cool. And, and there are there are some great people who now work and are jeopardized because mm. people who used to work for them and even though you know Chloe sort of sends out that thing like don't 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 leave these publications don't leave these things there's an infrastructure that is sometimes built around these guys and when they go down um, it, it has a, a significant impact and like even something like birth movies death like Devin Farachi mm. or you know that craziness that went down there was a they lost a lot of traffic they lost a lot of people they lost a lot of people who didn't want to work with the company anymore so yeah it's 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 a it's a complete it's a shit fight is yeah. what it is it's not just a shit list no it's a shit fight but the um, thing is chris is also getting a lot of shit especially um on his social media because he put out a, a statement once it all came out it was him and this is what he said I'm devastated to read that she is now accusing me of conduct that did not occur. I was blindsided by her post and always wanted the best for her. As a husband, a son, and a future father, I do not condone any kind of mistreatment of women. This is the thing. His wife ain't pregnant, Blake. People ask, oh, are you expecting? She's like, nah. And he calls himself a future father. Blake, 
You are a future father because you are, well, you are a father, but you are also a future father again because you're expecting a child next month. Yeah, my wife's expecting in like less than two weeks. So yeah, yeah. we're going to be a real future father. <laughs> yeah. Old mate uh, was like, I want to be your father. So I'm going to call myself a future father. Yeah. Look. <laughs> like you I just made yourself look like a bigger knob. I, I just don't know. Like it's really, you at least appreciate things like AMC and, and, and things like that as well to give him a chance to investigate and, you know, Chloe Dykstra had her forum to talk about it. Um, he, he gets a, he gets a right of response, I suppose, on his socials. Yeah. Um, and he probably tried to handle it as best he could and say something that was going to generate empathy and, and, and really do didn't. that. And clearly didn't, didn't work. Um, <laughs> you don't but, have kids but, and you're not expecting any kids anytime soon. Oh. It, it just, it just seems silly. Look, and, and yeah, I don't know, like, the whole Hardwick thing, I just, uh, I think it's a complete unfortunate thing because of all of the latent impacts it's now making on all these people who had jobs, who had safety and comfort in things, and him acting like a pig is ruined that. Mm. Well, hopefully people are taking to heart, like, it's not the company, it's, it's him specifically, and there won't be too much fallback. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 We can be hopeful, but you know... So, People are still very supportive of Nerdist and the things they do now, and we'll see. And he hasn't been associated with the company for the past couple of years, even though his contract only ended last year. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Nerdist was bought out by Legendary. So, but it's, you know, if you say Nerdist, people don't know Legendary. They even know Chris Hardwick. Mm, bloody podcast. But, like, from the shit list to a rant. Yeah, I don't know if I've got a rant in me after that. Um, look. <laughs> Let's rant. Um, idiots online, including some bonkers idiots as part of Birth Movie's death, are trying to get a $200 million remake. Not of a classic film. No. Like, not of an old film that they think desperately needs rebooting. What but film? The Last Jedi. Oh, wait. You mean the film that just came out last December? Literally six months ago? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. These idiots are so hyper-obsessed and hurt by maybe some uncomfortable truths that the mastery of that incredible entry into the Star Wars franchise and canon had, that they are still not over it to the point that they're trying to gather money on like a GoFundMe or something for $200 million to remake The Last Jedi, to undo their perceived slight. I mean... What is the perceived uh, slight? You're thinking of a Luke from, what, 30 years ago? It was Like, 40 years ago. It was made in the 70s, for God's sake. He was a teen boy. He is now an adult, an old one. You grow and learn. Clearly they and, haven't since the 70s. And, Oh my god, it's so pathetic. So it's this is a quiet rant because my voice is like breaking yeah. right now. I'm about to sound like the kid from The Simpsons with the with the taco and the deep fryer. Oh, Mr. Simpson, like that kid. I'm that close. Um, I'm just gonna say this quietly. Mm. Oh, get the fuck over it. Oh my god, if you could raise two hundred million dollars to do anything, would it be to remake a fucking movie for a company that makes a bajillion dollars a year and just offered? a counter-offer to Comcast $70 billion purchase of Fox Studios to $85 billion. Do you think you really want to remake a movie 
just to like overwrite some cat. Why don't you fucking raise that money to get some homes for some poor Mexican migrant children who are coming into America and being separated from their parents, children of men, cage style? Why don't you get the entire like offshore processing center at Manu Island where people have been there for five years? Why don't you give them some money so that we can get them into this country and like ingratiate them into our society and make them like a, a part of our country? Like seriously. $200 million. Do you know how many movies? Do you know? Divide 200 by four. It's 50. 50 moonlights could be made for $200 million. 50. Clerks was made for $27,000. One of the best movies of the 90s. $27,000. Do the division. I can't because I'm too tired and I've got a sore throat I, and I can't access my calculator. Otherwise, I might hang up on this call. But seriously. Fucking sort your lives out. Oh. All the effort you're putting into this is a fucking flagrant waste of time, space, and breath. You're all pathetic. If you like this and you go to this GoFundMe and donate, stop listening to this podcast. Seriously. You're allowed to not like an entry into the franchise. Guess what? Go look at the prequels. They all ate a bag of dicks and everyone loves them. So suck it up. <laughs> oh, glad to get that off your chest? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this is well. This is the thing. So, Star Wars Aftermath uh, author Chuck Wendig, he's also been tweeting about this, Blake. So, he's like, okay, so you allegedly have now $6 million pledged, but on June 15, you ran a poll which got 15 people. So, are 15 people giving you about $400K each to fund this movie? I just don't... These people are just so obsessed. They're just so... They're, they're, they're so... It's what's what's even crazier, Soph, is that like you know, I grew up with Star Wars. So many people can say that, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Tired. It's tired to say I grew up with Star Wars. I've watched the movies thousands of times, like, and in amongst my entire family and friends and everyone that I've ever met with Star Wars, for the original trilogy and even the prequels, I put my knowledge of canon pound for pound against most people, and I'll smash you. Not extended universe, but. <laughs> They're but, not canon anymore. Not canon, so I don't give a shit. But, <laughs> the, but, but that original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy, pound for pound, I, I'll, I'll put it against you. The, the Last Jedi so bravely treads where the series never thought that it would go. Like, yeah. it would have been easy to have Luke Skywalker as the White Knight to come in and save us with this First Order. But it didn't make dramatic or story sense. Why would Luke Skywalker have left? Why would he have left? Obi-Wan Kenobi didn't leave, like, fighting the Empire. No. So that he didn't leave fighting the Empire just because he felt like it. If he wanted a holiday and, and then Luke Skywalker, waiting for Luke Skywalker to fight him. He went to protect Luke. Like, and what happened was, he, you know, as the story tells us, he's, like, training his nephew. And he fucks that up so profoundly that... He he can't fathom that he would have a role to play in the saving of the universe, and so he leaves and cuts himself off from the force. It's sad, but even the most even masters still have shit to learn, and that's what's so heartening about it. It's that like as we grow older, we still might fuck up, but that's the value is that we do, and and to take the time to acknowledge it. That's what's so beautiful about his story arc. He might not, it's, it, and it is uncomfortable to watch because it does challenge your conception of what he is. But he, he never was perfect knight. in the beginning. And they're considering he was perfect in the beginning. And he's like, he no. never was. 
So why would you want him to stay the same? Because he was never perfect. He was he was never perfect, and also people thought that he ascended to this wise knowledge point at the end of Jedi. He did. He did. But he's also thirty years older. He's trained his nephew and completely balls that up, and then watched all of his, you know, him crafting a future for the Jedi fall into ruin, and that takes it out of you. Um, and and then you know there were great tweets this week that people pointed out that in the final battle of the Last Jedi, spoilers if you haven't seen it, mm. but in the final battle of the Last Jedi, he he stops the First Order instead of going to fight them. He does. He goes them. out there and does a forced projection of himself. Yep. Never fights. Never hit. Makes a blow. No. And and still defeats them to save the spark of the rebellion in the universe. And, like, someone pointed out that that's, like, the most Yoda shit, shit. Totally. that anyone could have done to stop them. So was pacifist this... in its, like, whole concept <laughs> that he yeah. did this while sitting on a rock with his mind. Yoda levels to the extreme. Yeah, like, Yoda would have been proud of it. That's why Yoda loved it. That's why Yoda was like, oh, Skywalker, you're so fun. I know. He would have, like, he like he would have not have gotten a knock with his walking stick. He would have actually finally got the applause he wanted from. Got a pat on the back. Exactly. So, so it's just dumb. So, it's just dumb. My voice is lost. (laughs) Your voice is lost. I made you lose your voice again. God damn it. I'm sorry. My voice is lost and it's dumb. Stop. (laughs) Stop. See, I just don't understand why they can't do what every other fandom does. Just go to a fan fiction site and write something. Get it out of your system that way. Post it up. <laughs> yeah, like fan fiction exists for that reason. Didn't like this bit. Oh, I kind of wanted to explore this section. All right, I'm just going to write it myself and other people can comment on it. Yay. Like, you don't have to put in $200 million to make a remake of a movie. Not to mention, how are you going to get the bloody studio to sign off on it? You know how much copyright? <laughs> I'll fan make it. I'll oh. fan make it. It's, oh. it's ghastly. Oh, dear. Oh, it's parody? So it's not real? <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. But thank it is. God for Ryan Johnson, the director of um, The Last Jedi, going on Twitter. Please, 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 please actually happen, happen. Please, please, please. Uh, prayer emoji, prayer emoji, prayer emoji. <laughs> so he's just having a lot of fun with it, clearly. Oh, it's just so dumb. So there's no other answer for it. It's like, at least the jokes are there. Like people can make fun of these people. You know, someone, you know, if, I think Dan Barrett, who does the Batman Land podcast, did a great one saying, what happens if these guys who are trying to raise this $200 million find girlfriends? Like what's going to happen then? Um, I don't you think know, they will. There's some great jokes to be had. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just, I, yeah. I just think it's so sad. It's like, you're so it obsessed. Is. You're so obsessed and you, you find such self-definition on something that is made for entertainment and something that's made, um, you know, made made ultimately to, to kind of make you feel good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if that's – and that you, you hate it so much or their attempt to make this, you hate it so much that you want to remake it. It's like there are so many other more important things. There, there are really so are. many more. But this is the thing. Like as much as we, we can laugh at them – we also have to be wary because that's how Trump got into power. Yeah, but hopefully Trump didn't have a GoFundMe 
Um, <laughs> uh, um, wouldn't put it past him if he hated it. He's probably putting that six million in. That's probably from Trump. No, Trump, <laughs> Trump, Trump's spending too much money on his fake tan and and Melania wearing jackets that say I don't care about small poor kids. Um, yeah, look, it's it's uh, I don't I don't know. It, it's 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 ridiculous. It's just a waste of time. And and but I these think, are the guys think, that drove Star Wars, like you know, Star Wars cast members off social media at the same time. So I think we still should be wary of them. Oh, look, I think we're just, the way that we're being wary of them is making light of how stupid and pathetic they are this entire time, Mm. which is good. I think we should continue to do that. Absolutely. Just as long as they don't hurt anyone in the process. Sure. (laughs) Blake, we'll let you go and rest your poor sore throat after that rant. Oh my God. You're going to need some hot tea, hot tea and honey. I'm I'm going right now for a hot tea and honey. <laughs> Excellent, but Blake, thank you so much for another gaggle of geeks. We'll catch you next week, hopefully, if you don't have a new child by then. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is a very high possibility. No, it shouldn't be by next week, uh, but le- next week might be uh, um, um, my last uh, full gaggle of geeks for a little bit. So we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that more next week. All right then. Till then. Bye. Bye.